Vipul Maini. I'm a resilience and growth coach. I grew up in a little suburb in Birmingham called Hall Green and uh, we lived in um, a little semi-detached house with what well, we did at the beginning and uh, had... Uh, oh gosh. <laughs> just, just stop and go again. I grew up in a suburb in Birmingham called Hall Green with my brother and my mother and father. We are, well I'm second generation Indian immigrants. My parents came from India, my dad came when he was 19. Um, he worked solidly all the time, seven days a week basically trying to secure his future and secure our future is what he was saying. Um, it was pretty, well I thought it was pretty average, it was um, growing up, we raised from Indian heritage, we were, we were led to believe and told to study hard, so that was really important. So most of my time was, a lot of time spent studying, but my father had a passion for sport, so whereas a lot of Indian children at that time just studied, we also did a lot of sport. My father really encouraged us to play um, football and cricket, those were two sports we did a lot of growing up. Um, in fact, he wanted to send us to a school that did a lot of that, so um, he wanted us to study a lot, but sport also played a, an important role in our, in our well-being. Dad was an immensely strong character and uh, very determined and came from nothing, so I guess a lot of Asians who came from the subcontinent came to better themselves and my father was one of those as a 19 year old on a boat from from Punjabi left to come over to to live from arrived in Liverpool then landed in Birmingham in the end um, first few years he worked in a steel factory I, I don't know if you've ever watched if anyone's ever watched uh, Peaky Blinders I love that program, one of my favourites. Uh, one of the reasons being it's set in Birmingham and it's set in those areas where my father lived in Spark Hill, Sparkbrook, Borsal Heath. Those are the areas where uh, he, he settled initially and worked um, and spent his first few years working in a steel factory um, and then saved enough to have an idea that he was going to go into business so he set up a clothing business basically so and he worked bloody hard to, to set that up so i grew up in the 70s and uh, at a time when it was still seeing seeing being and being accepted um by by i can't say british people yeah i guess did i view myself as british not really but so let's just say being accepted by the indigenous white hosts was was a problem frankly yeah it, it everywhere we went or i went i felt very nervous and on edge basically um i always felt different and people looking at you it's not like today which has changed so much no one bats an eyelid in those days if you left your town of birmingham or even certain parts of Birmingham, you were seen as different. Uh, you know, so I went to school in Solihull, for example. There was there was no there was no non-white people there in the 70s and 80s. Very very few. 
so in my class I was a class of one out of 25 um, um, and there was all these stereotypes those stereotypes were painful they're very painful and so growing up was awkward that's why I felt awkward and on edge it was a, is a probably a good summary race race played a huge part in my growing up every day at school but even the teachers right yeah so that that I don't know if it was on purpose or ignorance but huge amounts frankly huge amounts but yeah there's a lot of a lot of a lot of abuse with the with the boys always a lot of fighting um always always even going to local shops was a problem and just going to get milk was a problem because I was on edge because I remember trying to walk to the shops and um, if I saw a group of boys I sort of braced myself clenched my fists because frankly I was going to get called names so do I go past them or do I cross the street and show that I'm scared what do I do every day I face with these problems every day so my father like, like you know my parents they wanted us they wanted to fit in they desperately wanted to fit in and their philosophy was always one of non-violence and they were very they were not violent people and suffering abuse so there was a big difference between how the white british people viewed black people and asian people and 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 i think that was epitomized in the 70s with with the rise of the national front um and the rise of the skinhead cult and it was called packy bashing. I mean, let's, 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 let's not skirt around the bush here. And, and why was it called packy bashing? Because typically, um, a Southeast Asian man, boy, was not meant to fight back and just take abuse on, the, on his chin and just turn the other chin and turn the other face and just move away. But also, they were seen as weak and timid. Whereas black people were seen as strong and they would fight back. So you didn't hear about black bashing, you heard about packy bashing because they were an easy, we were an easy target. So, and that's what my parents also told us to do is always never, never answer back. But all that did, in my view, and that was born by me changing my behavior to see what would happen is that it just encourages bullies. So I decided to put a stop to that on the school bus when I was about 16, 17. So there was a skinhead who used to get on the bus and just abuse me and write NF right next to me and then walk off. And then I changed that one summer by going to the gym. <laughs> and I became a lot bigger. And then for some reason, I never got abuse from him. And he stopped. And it taught me a really important lesson. And, um, and which is a lesson I always teach to my children now is you don't take a step back when you face with bullies and you certainly don't take a step back when you face with racism. When you grow up with, with those activities on a daily basis and that sense of sometimes it was dread, sometimes it was fear, it was, there was always negative feeling, Simon. So you never felt quite relaxed, um, especially out of your own comfort zone. Um, so it meant as a young adult and growing up, if, if I was in a new environment, I was always very much on edge thinking, 
am I going to be accepted? Who's going to say something first? And how am I going to respond? So I'm always on the defensive. So it makes you quite defensive, not angry as such, but defensive and then you don't it's difficult to open up and then you people say why have you always got a scowl on your face mm. <laughs> i've got a scowl on my face because I, i'm on edge i feel even when i went to university they say what why have you got that scowl on well because frankly i don't know how you're going to react to me if i go to a club if i go to a pub it's 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 it's, it's something that you once you it's ingrained in you because you're you're just waiting and that's a horrible feeling in a way because your your adrenaline is always high because you're waiting for the next issue to arise. You don't realise it. I think this is when when you reflect on what when when things happen later on with your health is, and you have a much better understanding what is stress. You don't. You've got no idea growing up that you are actually stressed all the time and anxious. You just feel a. This is all, yeah, this is what happens. So you, I felt growing up at school and. Um, I'm always having to prove myself. I always had a, a pain or some sort of angst in my stomach. And, you know, that that is stress, you learn later on. That is you being anxious and stressed. So every day for God knows how many years, of course, if you have that, you're going to have issues growing up later on in life. Well, you look back on it. At the, at the time, you never thought it was traumatic. It was just, yet it was, you know, things happen and you have to deal with them on a daily basis but some so the, not panic but i guess what i learned was moving out of birmingham so holidays for example we didn't have many holidays because my father used to work all seven days a week however the maximum he could afford was he'd, we'd go five days on a little trip um so for example we'd go to bournemouth or um, no no we went to eastgate uh, not Eastgate, where was it? Eastbourne, rather, or Brighton. But we'd have to catch, or Torquay, those are the, these are the main, our big holidays, five days. But we'd always have to catch the train. And that was always stressful because you would be with Joe Public. So I can remember one such journey, which was, which will, you know, that's etched in my memory for, as a nightmare, never to be forgotten. We were, in those days, on the train, you might, you, you won't see that now, Simon, but you have, so you won't see that now, but you have individual carriages. Um, so you have, a, like, a, a bench there and bench there, and then the doors shut, and then you have, the trains filled with those. So um, the four of us were in this one carriage. And um, during the journey, there was this group of boys and they saw that there was four Indian people in this carriage. And so they decided to have a field day of abusing us. And whereas I felt a lot of anger and I was trying to... Exp I would have loved my father to have done something about these boys. But all my father told me to do, told me to look the other way and look at the window away from them. So all I could hear was abuse and packy this and imitating what we're supposed to speak like, <laughs> which is rather ironic. <laughs> However, I had to listen to that for hours 
they didn't go away. They kept coming back. It was, it was, it almost, I didn't cry. I didn't want to show them how upset I was. I was really angry, really, I had feelings of bitterness. I wanted to really get my own back on them, but I wasn't allowed to say anything or do anything. I, I found that really, that was torment, that was torture. And I relived that moment time and time again whenever I, f I hear that sort of abuse in the street, that train journey comes back to me. When you're sitting on that train journey, you have time to think. That anger, it made me make some decisions that probably affected how I treat other people and my attitude when I felt I was being treated unfairly. Uh, and I was always going to be different from my father after that train journey. I was never ever going to accept that if I had the opportunity or the, if I had an option and clearly I did at school when my father wasn't with me, I was never ever going to tolerate that sort of behavior towards me and going through up, growing up it's made me a lot more vocal. Turning the other cheek was never going to be an option for me when there's injustice and I feel that now even even with other people, if I see, and that's how I behaved at school. If, and obviously, I wasn't the, as well as being brown people being abused, Jewish people were also abused. And to this day, I've got a very close friend who still talks about the times I helped him out at school because he was being bullied for being Jewish. And no one else in the class would stand up for him except me. And he, he, so he remembers that 40 years later. But that's how I feel, that's a value. Stand up for those people who don't have a voice or two, who will get picked on and bullied. I don't think you should accept it. And that's what I decided. So do you think it was a good experience to have? Do you think in, in that it helped you stand up for those that... The experience was positive in so far as it helped me shape my values. So I can take a positive from that experience and helped me to decide what I stood for and who I am in, the, in, in one aspect. So I can thank those boys for that. However, I have to say there are negative consequences as well from that journey, because then it made me even more, not cynical, defensive. So you build up a barrier around yourself when you meet people because you're always wary of, of how they view you. So instead of being open and welcoming when I meet new people, for, for many years I was quite defensive and closed um, and rather apprehensive. It made me go into my shell, that confidence, because you always think the worst is going to happen. And which is what I always felt. I felt I was going to be rejected or I was going to be abused, I was going to have some issue to deal with, so it always puts you on edge. So from that perspective, it, it was a really bad experience. Did it alter my relationship with my father, that journey? That's an interesting question I asked myself. It will, in fact, not really, because all it did was cement other aspects of, of his philosophy, which made me realize we were very different. That generation and 
and my generation and you know the history bears that out in 1979 i think you had um, the southall riots basically there was a massive pub which was used by skinheads and it was surrounded by sikh people and punjabis who decided they'd had enough of being bullied and they basically attacked the pub with those skinheads inside it and the police had to be brought in but it's uh, typical though, in instead of the Indians being seen as um, standing up for themselves, they were seen as the aggressors, whereas all they were doing was saying, we've had enough and we don't want any more of this abuse. But that was a really important turning point in society, actually, because people started to look up and say, yeah, and especially the Indian community saying, well, we've had enough. We're not going to take any more of this shit.